Welcome back to React Native Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Internet Memes, the best way to make fun of your boss. Episode 202, React.js to React Native. Hey, React Native Radio friends. Welcome back. This is the React Native Radio Podcast. I'm Jamin Holmgren, your host, and I'm joined today by two adventurous co-hosts. Robin is with me, and also today we're joined by a guest host, John Major Condon. I will intro John Major in a bit, but uh, Robin, I just got a chance to listen to episode 198, where you were the primary host and you interviewed Gantt about machine learning. I kind of feel like you should be the one doing this intro right now. I'm going to go ahead and say no thanks. <laughs> you did a great <laughs> job though. Like I I'm I was like I think I'm out of a job when I uh when I heard that one. That was that was really good. I I I was very impressed. So, yeah, great job with that. And I am sure it was all from like just right from the hip, right? Totally live. Didn't have Unprepared. any any notes or anything. Yes, totally 100% extemporaneous. Uh you you never you never uh, have to That take totally notes. matches my personality. uh robin of course is a senior software engineer located near portland oregon at infinite red specializes in react native as well and our guest host today is john major condon john uh, john major is a senior software engineer located in southern wisconsin and you'll be able to tell that by his thick wisconsin accent right john major I honestly can't, I don't know if I've ever noticed anything, but you know what? I'm actually around a lot of people from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of people in kind of the Pacific Northwest that that came from, from the Midwest. So maybe I just, it's just kind of steeped around me. So, well, supposedly I, I had an accent back in the day because I was from Indiana, Mm. uh, but I wasn't raised there. I was born there. My parents had the accent. So, was uh, yeah. oh, that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you had an accent according to people from Wisconsin? Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, there's a little bit that happens kind of in my world because I'm Finnish American and there's a lot of sort of Finnish Americanisms that slip mm. into Interesting. my. Well, now I want to know what they are because you just sound like Jamin to me. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, like the most obvious one is, is everybody says sauna incorrectly. Everybody says sauna. And wait, like, wait. it's not. For real? Yeah, well, yeah, for real. So, like, there's one Finnish word that everybody in the world knows, and they all pronounce it wrong. Like, if you go to uh, to to Finland, they're gonna say sauna, sauna. That's a that's a like the Finnish way to say it, sauna. Mm. All there's I actually think, kind of like a, about, a you in there. All I can think about is the is the scene from Frozen where she she comes up to the trading post. She's like, "Ooh, trading post," and sauna. <laughs> uh. Hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm also half Norwegian, and the fact that they included Ludafisk in right. Frozen for, mm-hmm. for good feelings gives anything that they uh, anything else they do. I mean, I, I I kid you not. We have Ludafisk like almost every Christmas because my dad buys it and forces us to eat it. Does it really give you good feelings? Uh, well, I mean, depends. Like if I don't have to be eating it, yes. <laughs> so it's not good. You have to try it. It's you, fermented. You have to try it it's like fermented. <clears throat> fish it's, right it's caught it's not really i don't know if it's ferment it's it's cod raw cod soaked in lye oh it's soaked in lye it doesn't sound very appetizing i mean i don't know it's when you describe thing. it that way i guess huh. 
it was, I guess, a way that they preserved fish over the winter. And uh, yeah, it's expensive, though. It's extremely expensive around here. So, John Major, you've never had lutefisk, even though you live in uh, in Wisconsin around a lot of Nordic people? Not at all. I'm actually not a big fan of seafood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I do have a lot of friends who do love seafood, and I try to steer them a different direction always. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a burger. I think you'll be even less of a fan of seafood after you've had Ludafisk, but we will <laughs> yeah. move on. We will move on. Uh, John Major did just join Infinite Red this year. Uh, welcome, by the way, John Major. Thank you. And he's also taken over the React Native newsletter as editor-in-chief, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we we had a little bit of a, a, an opening happening there, and, and uh, so you've stepped into those shoes, and you've done a great job so far, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Tell us uh, a little bit about your coding background. Sure. Um, so 2013, um, actually before 2013, it was 2012, uh, I was working at a factory and I decided that was not for me. And so I went to the library one day and I picked up a Java book thinking that I could learn it. And uh, it was terrible. Um, I got very <laughs> discouraged. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> since then, I went on to uh, go to school at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And I was there um, from 2013 to 2015. Uh, I studied information science technology. So it's not computer science, but it is a hybrid between the two um, majors, computer science and business. Um, honestly, a lot was, I'd say, more business. And then there was still computer science in there. Oh, and a lot of databases. Um, so, and then 2015, I graduated, went on to start at uh, Kohl's Corporation as a software engineer, and and uh, yeah, been been at a at a corporate, and then I've been at a um, startup uh, consultancy. So I've been in many different roles. Mm-hmm. Is that Kohl's so, like like the department store Kohl's? Yeah. Yep. Nice. So you can tell Discounts. a lot about our. <laughs> so you can tell a lot about our interview process the fact that i actually didn't know that john major had a cs degree that's uh or cs like degree until now <laughs> we just i don't know it's just not something that we really think about because uh i guess of the three owners only one of us has a cs degree and or a degree at all to be honest and i'm not one of them so <laughs> i don't really think of it in terms of you know being a requirement for working at Infinite Red. So congrats on uh, on your degree, John Major. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I would just like to point out that it took Jamin four years to convince me to do anything remotely scary, like being on a podcast. And John Major's been here for, what, two months? And you're already uh, the, chief of, the editor-in-chief <laughs> of the newsletter and are on the podcast. So kudos. <laughs> It's amazing what you can get people to do when you make it a condition of their employment. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> but not really. I did not do that. <laughs> no, John John Major has been doing a lot of uh, cool stuff around here. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on the podcast more regularly. I, I'd love yeah, to have, sure. have some more help like that. So very cool. Um, I should mention that uh, this episode is sponsored by Infinite Red. <laughs> a big surprise. Uh, we are a premier React Native design and development agency located fully remotely in the USA and a little bit in Canada and also Wisconsin, which is uh, kind of its own little thing, right? Uh, with years of React Native experience, uh, deep roots in the React Native community, we're the hosts of Chain React and we publish the React Native newsletter as already 
mentioned to over how many subscribers do we have now john major is it it's over twelve thousand, right yes um it's over twelve thousand, and then just under active i guess readers like honestly we get an incredible amount of active readers on that on that newsletter we're going to talk about that in a little bit but infinite red is the best choice for your next react native app hit us up hello at infinite.red Email me directly, jamin at infinite.red. Do not email Robin. She will ignore your email. I'll just forward it to Jamin. That's really just what happened. (laughs) It's true, actually. I don't think that's actually ever happened, but uh, it will, I'm sure, at some point. You can learn more on our website, infinite.red. Don't forget to mention that you heard about us through the React Native Radio podcast. It's very important to say that. And uh, also, we are hiring React Native engineers. If you are senior level, React Native engineer located in the u.s or canada go to careers.infinite.red and fill out the form john major did that earlier this year and now he's on the podcast so it works could be you that could be you (laughs) (laughs) all right let's get into our topic for today our topic is moving from react.js to react native and what's kind of interesting about this topic and i'm glad john major is here because Robin, you didn't you didn't actually do React JS before you came to Infinite Red and started doing React Native, right? I did not. I learned I was doing backend Rails and then immediately learned React Native from there. So I had no React JS experience at all. And I had a bunch of web experience. I did, you know, a lot of different technologies over the years. And I had done things like Ember, but we were actually doing Ember when we decided to move to React Native, which is kind of a weird transition. And so for both Robin and myself we sort of backed into react js it was kind of like we did react native and then we're like well i suppose we should learn react js too because that's sort of the underlying thing john major you went the other direction though right yes correct so you were doing react js before you had experience working with it and then when you came to infinite red now you're in the process of really kind of moving into react native and and working on that you're already on a project you're already contributing uh so we're going to be talking to you over the course of this uh, and asking questions, but I can also, so you recently started on a react native project this year when we hired you a few months ago. And so you're going to have a different perspective because you did go from react JS to react native. We went sort of the other direction. I still think there's probably some things we can bring to the table for this discussion. So we'll be, we'll be hitting on some of that. One of the cool things about react is that React Native sort of a, it's almost like a byproduct of making UI a function of state as, as people like to say. There's a great article, I'll link to it in the show notes, where the author describes the idea of React using jQuery. You know, we were doing a lot of jQuery back in the day, and that was, you know, extremely popular. But he, he kind of like remade React using jQuery, like a few lines of jQuery. And it was super, super, that was like when it clicked for me, like, oh, this totally makes sense now. Like, I totally get it. And really what it does, it takes this sort of like spaghetti of events and um, effects and things like that and makes them all focus in on one central point, which is state. It's like, okay, any event is going to update the state and goes to the UI from there. So the, the, the UI just, just sort of like a, it's a byproduct of state that when you change state, then the UI changes when you change anything in state and it could change any part of the UI. It's really, really cool. But that wasn't the only thing. It also allowed you to then have a really easy translation layer between the state and the UI. So for React Web, that's React DOM. React DOM takes the state and says, now I'm going to update the DOM, which is, of course, the web 
version of of the UI. And so once you have React DOM, now you can do something different. And so the the brilliant folks at React, and so the brilliant folks at Facebook that came up with React Native were like, well, let's just build a new React DOM, but for Android and for iOS. And that's what they did to build that. That's a great idea in theory, but React JS itself is still coupled to web a bit because you still have divs, you still have spans, you're still using anchor tags for links. Mm-hmm. I think there was like a, a period of time where it was like, it's sort of going as far that way as it can, but it still wanted to retain a lot of the familiar things that HTML web developers were, were used to. So from my perspective, um, going from React JS to React Native, uh, I found that the the spans, the A tags, the divs, just about every single tag that you can mention. Um, well, actually, yes, every single tag that you uh, can mention in HTML is gone. Uh, and so now there's just um, React Native components that are there for you. And so that was a little bit trippy um, to start, uh, being someone who um, you know wants to throw a div around um, you know items to say flex it or display it in in some different way um now you just do a view yeah so yeah now you just do a view but what i found is the views also have its limitations too so if you're doing a view and if you're styling that view you don't have that like that luxury of cascading say css color property down to a text element Versus in HTML, if you wanted to um, style like a span within a div, you could hypothetically on the div just say color is uh, green. And then that span Mm -hmm. should inherit that color. Uh, But that doesn't exist in React Native. So I find like like you you have to do a lot more styling Mm -hmm. in different spots to achieve what you want. It's very explicit styling. Yes. Like declarative. Which like it. Some people have actually said is easier. Like I, I'm working with a, a developer on a client project right now who just started doing React Native coming from a web background. And he's like, I love these React Native styles because mm. it's a lot <laughs> easier to keep track of what's what's styled with what that properties because it's just like you have to give it directly to the element, tell it exactly what its style is going to be. And there's not any sort of inherited from somewhere magical yeah i feel like web developers who kind of came in as web developers sort of look at css as the the way to style anything but it's really kind of just a take it's a it's a particular opinionated way to do it there are definitely other ways to style you know the colored boxes that we put on screens <laughs> which is really work. what it comes down to we're yeah that's what we're, pretty much what we're, we're making colored boxes on the screen <laughs> exactly <laughs> we, we try to make it sound more dramatic but that's honestly it but yeah it's really it's really interesting seeing people come from css which is the way to style the web and has been for mm-hmm. ever uh and learning how we st- how to style in react native versus someone like me who i didn't do pretty much I didn't do any front end web at all. I was all back end web and so I had really never worked with CSS and then I learned React Native styles and I was like, yeah, this makes sense. And I still don't know CSS. <laughs> React Native is all I've ever known. Yeah, I feel like uh for for someone who comes from React JS to React Native, one may think that that person 
should be okay with a CSS and JS, uh, which I am. But part of me still is just like, yeah, I really do like, you know, CSS or SAS. Um, but still, uh, even with like just the CSS and JS that, that React Native provides, I do think you're right, Robin, is like it's super explicit. You can find where the styles exist because that style tag is more than likely going to exist on the component that it reflects. Mm-hmm. Um, so totally. It, I think it bothers people who like the efficiency of CSS. Mm-hmm. Like people who are really good at CSS and can use just like a couple of lines of CSS code and like style like a whole bunch of different parts of their app really love that efficiency. And then there's people like me who like just get lost and like, where is the style coming from? I don't know. And like, mm-hmm. Really love the sort of explicitness of React Native styles. Talked about this in our styling episode a little bit, and I, I feel like yeah, they're, they're, the explicitness it, it almost it almost reminds me a lot of sort of the argument between inheritance and composition because you can certainly spread your styles around just by composing them. You can be like, hey, I have this style, I'm going to export it as a const, and then I'm just going to spread it, you know, dot 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 my yeah. style into any any elements that need that and then it explicitly says this style is coming from over here and that's one of the problems i have with css that i've always had with css is like how do i know where the style came from now i will say modern browsers and specifically like the inspectors are incredible about tracking down where does this style come from so you have tools and a web developer listening but you need the tools yeah i was not but you do need the code the code doesn't do a good job of explaining Expressing itself it. yeah, yeah not at all and like yeah. someone like myself who lives in like browser dev tools for <laughs> um, like anything like css styling it's so helpful to do all your css styling there and then just copy paste into your css um <laughs> unfortunately you know it's it's not going to translate exactly the same because yeah. it's going to need to be camel case uh in yeah. javascript but even at that, it does help a lot. And I find that as a limitation in React Native that I didn't even think to myself would be a problem. Because uh, there is no like real dev tools that you can actually um, change like the CSS right. and, and do all those things right there and get immediate feedback to then take and run with it. You, you just have to, you know, do it in the code save it and hot reload yep hot hot reload and then get right back to it <laughs> rinse and repeat yep yeah that's that's definitely a big difference between react js i mean that uh, react js developer coming into react native is going to notice that the tooling is different at best and worse <laughs> more likely, more likely worse. Uh, there are some cool things like reactatron is is fantastic but reactatron is also available on the web you know it works on the web so there's a lot of kind of we're in a little bit of a niche here, and because of that, we're going to be a little underserved with the with the tooling that is available. Yeah. And you know, we work around that and we deal with that, but it certainly has been. I'm sure. I'm sure there's tooling on the way. It's you know, React Native is getting more and more popular every single year, and I'm sure that as Microsoft invests so much and Facebook invests so much, that the tooling will get better. And we've seen that with like Flipper, for example. Flipper getting better, and Reactatron now works with Flipper. I I think that. It will continue to get better, but it will always lag behind web because web is just the the gigantic, you know, massive, the biggest pool of developers out there. Definitely. I think after after a certain amount of time, 
like I've developed sort of instincts about the React Native styles. And like I can write, I can style a few components before I even like reload the app and they pretty much do what I kind of expect, but it took a long time mm-hmm. uh, to get there. Uh, but hot reload is is really key for those like try it and see what happens kind yeah. of kind of moments. Yeah, we had that in uh, the previous native coding system that we used, and we had developed that. Actually, Todd Worth and I, Todd, the, the editor of this podcast and my business partner, he uh, he and I came up with a live reload system that worked pretty similarly to what you use in React Native, and it was it was pretty awesome. But with native code. Uh, the biggest problem with it that we were still trying to work on when we ended up, you know, kind of ditching that and moving toward React Native was if you made a syntax error, it would crash your app, like right in the middle of it, just boom, you know, I guess that kind of still happens. Like if you make a syntax error, you're going to get a, a red, a red screen. screen and then you have to, you have to reload. So I guess they haven't solved that either. Uh, that was, that was definitely a thing that we were kind of working through, but it was the, I remember the, the cycle with native code was like, you had to rebuild and yeah, then navigate back forever. to where you were. It was so slow, so annoying. And this was like, you save and it changes. You save and it changes. And it it like blew everybody away at that time. Now everybody kind of expects it because it's been around for a while. But at that time, back in, I think it was 2014 or 15, it was a big deal. Back in 2013, I started as a, uh, I think you would call it a, maybe an intern or a student developer. I think I would say student developer. So Mm -hmm. I started as a student developer at a company um, at uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee where we were doing mobile application development. And I was there for a couple of years. um, But when I first started, uh, mind you, I I, I had basically no knowledge of software development at all because this is 2013 when I first started college. But when I started there, we were using Titanium App Accelerator. I'm not oh, yes. too sure if, okay, so you've heard of it. I've heard uh, of it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we, we used that and it was, uh, we, we, we tried Ionic in that time too, but Titanium App Accelerator was very slow and there was no hot reloading. It was just jQuery, HTML, and CSS, but it, it was more comfortable in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and on the web, uh, I think people are kind of, they expect you know these tools they expect hot reloading they expect all of these things because there there are such amazing systems out there now for web so there's a lot of changes now you can use a lot of the same things you can use redux you can use um of course mobic state tree you can use lodash you can use ramda you can use a lot of the same tools that you would use on on web and so i'm sure a lot of that stuff is is familiar for people who are coming from react js to react native and i think what we found with um with our new developers coming on as we hire is that they can be productive. If they know react JS, they can be productive in about a week. I mean, not very much time. It's just learning like, okay, you're going to do views. You're not going to do divs and spans. You're going to do views. You're going to, you know, these are the ways that we kind of, you know, you, you have screens and, you know, not pages, you don't have URLs. Um, Yeah. Navigation navigation. is a huge, is a huge difference. It's quite a bit different. Yeah. Because uh, instead of having a routing library, you have a navigation library, and you're you're moving from screen to screen. There really isn't a concept of of URLs in React right. Native. I guess I guess React Navigation sort of brings that back a little bit, but yeah, because there's params. Um, mm-hmm. So that that was similar to my experience doing React JS. I didn't really feel React Navigation was difficult. 
my thing was learning a new state management library, mm-hmm. which was Mobex. Yeah. Which if you which if you had already known that, it wouldn't have been a big transition. But obviously, changing from the web paradigm to native and also learning that was right. a challenge. One big thing also is the native side because it's React Native and we have native code. And so in React Native, you have the ability or sometimes the necessity to drop into native code. Objective-C, Swift, Kotlin, Java. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Java course that you took, John Major, will come in extremely handy. <laughs> Actually, it was C-sharp. <laughs> was it C-sharp? Okay, C-sharp. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but what what's sort of the equivalent in web? Like, what would be the equivalent of dropping in a native if you're on a web context using React, or, you know, JS? Is there? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think is there. Is a... I so it's a leading question because uh, I do have an answer for that. I I look at it as sort of like when you just start writing JavaScript. Maybe you're using jQuery or mm-hmm. something else to just mess with the DOM, change things. Uh, you're just writing something that is you know like the native side of a browser maybe you're accessing browser dom or browser maybe you're accessing browser apis that are browser specific Um, just turns out that the native side of react.js is still javascript that's right yeah it's still javascript it's the same language but there is a native equivalent which is so it's harder to tell pure pure javascript where when you drop from javascript into objective c you kind of (laughs) know yeah Yeah, that's a it's a much bigger Bigger difference. I'd say building uh, Chrome plugins would be like as native as mm, yeah. I have gotten. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, at that point, it still is JavaScript, as we said. Um, but yes, they they only work in Chrome, as far as I know. Yeah, and and so like you do have to, and and obviously, I would say like Robin, you haven't dropped into native all that often in the four years, five years yeah, that you've been doing React Native. I've right? done five five or six client apps and. It's still really rare, yeah. if ever, because the the ecosystem of third-party libraries is so robust at this point that pretty much anything you need to do in the native layer, someone has already written a package for that. And you just have to link it, which yep. has been <laughs> a problem. Link. Um. <laughs> yeah, linking, auto-linking was a really welcome... What do you mean? You just write an anchor and you point it to it with an href, right? Like, that's... That, that's what you mean it's by linking, right? With the yeah. bang, and it just <laughs> navigates <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> just I errors. Um, no, I've found uh, setting up like like the linking stuff for React Native with the native dependency to be a lot of work. Um, in in some cases, I just was linking a package called Background Geolocation from TransistorSoft. Mm-hmm not sponsored uh, <laughs> but uh i was linking that package and it was just so many uh intrinsic details about you know what you have to do in ios then what you have to do in android and then you know cross your fingers that it works in both spots and you don't want to get too far ahead in like one or the other um you know i'm playing around with it because then you'll forget that you have to go back to uh, fixing like the linking issues so you can test on that other device. Um, so that's another big thing is to now you have two devices usually that you're testing on and not just, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not the only one here. I would hope you just opened up Chrome and you test only in Chrome. Works. Cross cool. your fingers. It. it works. <laughs> yep, exactly. Ship it. Unless if someone says, hey, Firefox or Internet Explorer, 
doesn't work. Yeah, and not only do you have two devices you're sending it to, but you also have three package managers. You have your package JSON with Yarn or NPM. You also have CocoaPods on the iOS side, and you have Gradle on the Android side. And those all have their own idiosyncrasies. They have their different languages. I think, uh, you know, of course, package JSON is, is written in JSON, which is a JavaScript subset. And you have Ruby on CocoaPods. I always found that super random. Isn't that random? Super yeah. random. Ruby for, the, well, but, but like Mac OS came with Ruby mm-hmm. built in. So that kind of makes sense. I don't know if it still does. It but still does. I, I do not recommend it. using system Ruby though. Right. That's, Get yourself yeah. a, re, a Ruby version manager. A please. real Ruby. <laughs> and then on the Gradle side, it's written in Groovy. <laughs> yes. Like not even in Java, not even in Kotlin, but in Groovy, Groovy. of all things. Yeah. And so you're having several more languages to learn, more kind of runtimes that you're dealing with. And so, yeah, that's that's uh, that's another fun part of of this. Linking can be. Now, I mean, it's been getting better. When we started with React Native, we had to manually link everything. Now there's a lot of auto linking happening, which is really really nice. I was just looking and at so that package that better. you mentioned, John Major, and it it does support auto linking, but then there's a bunch of stuff you have to do beyond yes. the auto linking because location location is so permissions intensive because of Apple's privacy rules which is fair and you have to deal with xcode and android studio too so i mean like that in and of itself brings a whole nother dimension yeah i would say going from going from react native and learning react js had a huge advantage because all of the quote-unquote like hard stuff about the native environment like like you said android studio and xcode and native modules and linking and like not to mention like certificates and code signing and app store releases and all that uh i already already knew all of that and react js you going to react js you you there's fewer differences to learn i think you're like is this all i must be missing something is this all there is (laughs) (laughs) now i would say mixing native developers with web developers has led to a lot of interesting collisions i i would say mostly positive collisions. There's some been some, you know, kind of culture clash kind of things that happen, but it's really interesting. There's this kind of huge influx of web developers into the native world and they bring certain assumptions like, why can't we have this? Why, why don't we have this? You know, why don't we have this? And the native side, uh, you know, they bring their own kind of take on things. And I think they're very critical to this. Like, as hey, well. get out of our playground. Like what? There is some of that. <laughs> it's my sand. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is my sandbox. <laughs> you see some of that. And, and, but you know, like there are, I know some people that did native development for many years and knew Xcode inside and out that switched over to, uh, in fact, actually we had Orta on our, on React Native Radio uh, uh, several episodes ago. And uh, he told me that they, they decided to use React Native even when they were only using it for iOS. And this is like a company that, Artsy, that just was absolute, you know, geniuses at iOS development. And yet they still decided to use React Native because it was a better developer experience. So they, they brought a lot to the table artsy did and i think that uh, other native developers as well these collisions have led to better tooling better software better techniques coinbase um is also another example of focusing on one platform uh, at least initially so they focused on android initially getting the development 
all done with React Native and then transitioning to the iOS side later. Um, they also just recently did this. And the cool thing about this is they tried to do it as a brownfield project. And then they realized that it wasn't the best way of doing it. And so they went greenfield. And so the problem that they ran into like doing brownfield, which is basically taking something that exists today and then trying to take a different technology and shove it into the current platform that's there, uh, they realized that the React Native developers and then the React JS developers were basically butting heads because there was um, the issue with React Native code being there that the React JS developers could handle, and then there was the native code there that only the native developers could handle, uh, and so it just caused a lot of problems between the two different you know types of developers, which made more sense to go greenfield. Which is actually one of the posts that I published um, in the React Native newsletter uh, this time around. So that's a great lead into our next section. So we are going to kind of wrap up our main topic there. And by the way, I am working on a little sneak peek. I am working on getting the, some of the Coinbase developers on the program. So when we get a chance to do that, hopefully uh, we'll be able to release that episode in the next few months. But Good lead into the next section news from the newsletter. I'm that's a working title. I don't I don't have a <laughs> I don't have a great title for this yet, but news from the newsletter. Well, we have the editor in chief of the React Native newsletter here, John Major. Mm-hmm. Let's do that new section and uh, what has caught your eye lately? I guess you already led into it, the, yes, the Coinbase. Yeah, the Coinboy Coinboy. Uh Coinbase successfully transitioning to React Native was definitely one of them. And then Stripe had officially released a public beta to their Stripe native library. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, I did see that. And that's going to be, I, we could have used that actually last year. There was a big project we did where we could have used the, the the features of Stripe Connect. So very cool. If you want to check that out, go to reactnativenewsletter.com. Subscribe to that. You're going to be uh, seeing some great articles come through. John Major does a good job of summarizing them in the little sections, and uh, it's a fantastic way to stay up to date about React Native. Very cool. So that's a new section that when John Major's on, we're, we're going to have him talk about something cool that he has caught his eye in the React Native newsletter. We also have another section that we do sometimes when we have time, weird bugs. Robin, do you have a weird bug today? I do. I do. I have a a, a really fun bug that we encountered the other day. Well, fun. I don't know if fun is the right word. Uh, but it's one of those things that just reminds me how huge the React Native API is and how I, there's still lots of stuff I don't know about it. Uh, but our lovely QA team informed me that we uh, we had this complex screen that has a scroll view and then a bunch of smaller scroll views within it. And it looks beautiful on iOS, uh, but he realized that the inner scroll views, the, the, the smaller ones, were not scrolling on Android. Mm. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I love those Android-only bugs that usually take me days to figure out. Uh, But I did some Googling, and apparently there's a prop for that. Who knew? Uh, (laughs) There's a prop for that. There's a prop for that. (laughs) Nested scroll enabled is a property on React Native scroll view that lets you do nested scroll views. And it's only on Android. And it defaults to false. Why? For whatever reason. React Native core team. Tell me on Twitter, why is this defaulting to false? Uh, is there a perf- maybe there's a performance implication for it? I'm not sure. Probably because they didn't want to break existing behavior. Could be. 
Even though it was already broken. Even though it was already broken. Uh, so if you need to nest scroll views within each other on Android, make sure you've set nested scroll enabled to true, at least on the, the child scroll view. I did it on both for good measure. But. Okay, so it worked when you did it on both. Yeah. Speaking of, there's a prop for that. I'm one of the maintainers of React Native WebView, and I'm pretty sure there's a prop for that for just about anything. That is a huge API, and it's, I'm sorry. And it's, well, and it it's changing is. all the time because it kind of it changes along with the native API. So this is something that was added yeah. in Android API 21. So your, your app does have to have a minimum SDK version of 21. Uh, mm. But so every time the sort of native APIs change there'll be props added to React Native eventually. So it's it's always changing. I recommend read, maybe check the docs out if you haven't looked at them in a while. There may be something that surprises you. Robin added that to our new internal wiki. She's been kind of leading the, the team, putting together an, an engineering wiki for us, and she added it as a TIL. Love me a good wiki. Absolutely. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks so much to both of you. Where can people find you? John Major, where are you at on uh, Twitter? Uh, John Major C. I'm actually, I'm John Major C everywhere. Okay. <laughs> so satisfying when you can get an internet handle that you have yes. like everywhere. But There's... don't get any ideas, people. That's mine. I, my, problem, <laughs> my problem is I got married in the middle of my internet life. And yeah, some now, stuff is still your. <laughs> some stuff your... is still my old name. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm, as far as I know, the only Jamin Holmgren in the world. I have never so, met another uh, Jamin, let alone another Holmgren. So <laughs> I've met other Jamins. There's other Jamins for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a rare name combination there. Uh, Robin, you are at Robin underscore Heinz with an E at the end. And I am at Jamin Holmgren, of course. Uh, React Native Radio is React Native RD. IO. We dropped the A at the end for characters reasons. Uh, so yes, thanks again to our guest host, John Major, for joining us today. As always, thanks to our producer and editor, Todd Worth, our transcript and release coordinator, Jed Bartoski, and our social media coordinator, Missy Warren. Thanks to our sponsor, Infinite Red. Check us out, infinite.red slash react native. Special thanks to all of you listening today. Make sure to subscribe, send this to someone who may be thinking about going from React.js to React Native might give them a little bit of an insight into what that takes. Reminder, Infinite Red is hiring React Native engineers. If you're a senior level React Native engineer located in the US or Canada, I think in Canada, they have to say developer, right? Yeah, they can't, they say, can't engineer say engineer because okay. you need a certification oh. for that. If you're a React Native <laughs> developer, eh? Did that work? That didn't work. That didn't work. <laughs> I, I tried funny. to do the Canadian thing. Don't worry, I can't yeah. do it either. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just a hoser. I don't know. I, this is bad. Uh, okay, uh, I'm just going to move on. If you're a senior level React Native developer located in the US or Canada, go to careers.infinite.red and hit us up. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.